What's up? You are listening to another episode of KeepTheChange.co.nz's Money Mail. It is good to see you. Yeah, I can see you wherever you are in the country, country, whatever you're doing, getting ready for Christmas. The sun is shining in Auckland today. Good to see. It's actually really, really important for us. I think I rolled out of a meeting this morning and the person I was with was like, whoa, the sun's here. How good is this? So it just shows you that it does have a positive impact on people when you don't have it for so long and you start to see it and it is good. So hopefully the sun is shining where you are, even if it's not physically from the big yellow, but just that life's shining down bright on you and looking after you. I hope that things are going well for you. Now, we've got a big run through to the end of the year. I feel like up here there's a lot of excitement into the year, end of the year. I always talk about this, how at this time of year, People seem happier and whatnot, which is really cool. I think people are itching for a break as well. I had a uh, massive end to the year. I've been running very hard this week. Again, we talked about redlining and stuff and just grinding through it last week, but knowing your limits. And this week alone, I've done a podcast with Shearsies. Now, that was really cool. That was out Monday. We got it straight out on Tuesday. I'm a perfection slash, sorry, I'm not a perfection guy. I'm an action type guy. So... That went straight out. He's coughing at it and whatnot. But that's just how we roll, right? This ain't going to be perfect. This isn't going to be, um, you know, the the most amazing podcast that you're going to listen to in terms of the quality because I'm a quantity and action over trying to pretend that I'm somebody I'm not. And is that right? Is it wrong? I don't know. It's just how I roll. Now, it means that I don't um, probably worry as much about those sorts of things is what other people will because I'm trying to be realistic because I think money is things similar. So many people and towards the back end of this year, I'm seeing it. Hey, I've got this amount of money. What should I do? I can't make a decision. It's basically what they're saying. Um, You've got to do the work to figure out what it is that you're going to do. You've got to map it back to your actions. Now, taking some form of action is probably going to be better than doing nothing at all, especially over a long period of time. So I'm kind of trying to role model that with some of the things that I do around not trying to give you the perfect podcast. It's just so brilliantly put together and whatnot. And whether you can pick up on that, I don't know. Um, But secondly, then I go to the attention seeker and do things a little bit differently where I do get them filmed and they do get done a bit better and you've got to pay some money to have that done. I did two podcasts with Tama Singh. You have all enjoyed the first podcast with him because that is the second most listened to. Now, I'll show you the 12, uh, 10 or even 20 most listened to podcasts for 2024 before the end of the year, and I'll run you through what those are. And I better make a note because I probably forget to do that, but it's somewhere in my brain. I keep thinking I need to do that at some stage. Now, I'll wait till the end of December, then I'll be able to actually get uh, more data. Now, two with him as well, and then the following day, I sat down with another person in the property space, Ilsa Wolf from Wolf Property Coaching. So two people, you know, back to back in property doing coaching and helping people in that space. Two epic podcasts with her. I took a bit of a I took her on a bit of a journey and I think she was a little bit nervy about, hey, you know, you didn't give me any questions and stuff here. I could I could tell she was thinking it. And that's just how I roll as well. I'm like, hey, we're just gonna have some fun with this. I got a blank page in front of me. We're gonna start talking and I'll take it in some different directions depending on where it goes and we'll give the people um, some things to think about not just about perfecting a fucking property renovation but more so 
why you do this and for so long and what drives you and how much is enough and things like that. So hopefully you get to pick up on those themes through that podcast as well. To close out the year, I have, so this week I've recorded two, four, five, and now this one. So this will be six, six podcasts this week and then one with Mikey on Sunday probably. So seven, effectively one a day, recording one a day for this week. Now for context, as you know, 97% of podcasts don't get past 17 to 20 episodes, something like that, right? Seven in seven days. It can be done. Things can be done. We can smash statistics. It takes action and it takes a will to make this shit happen. I can't run that fast or go that hard all the time, but sometimes I can and I have to get through it. Next week, I'll be recording a couple of podcasts with the CEO of Henry, H-N-R-Y, another good success story where a New Zealander solved a problem, New Zealanders, and have created a tech solution for people to be able to use to do their accounting. Now the biggest accountant in New Zealand, should my industry be worried? Probably, but that's life, that's technology, it is what it is. Much like when people say, oh, AI is going to take everyone's jobs. Well, James and the Henry team are coming for my industry, and could I, like, do any of you care? No, of course you don't, because it's not you, it's not your industry. So, if you get scared about these things where oh, AI is going to take the jobs and whatnot, just think practically and be like, okay, well, what do I need to be doing to stay ahead of that? You know, people are saying the same thing about technology. Yes, it happens, but things evolve. We could do better on top of technology too with the right tools in place. Let's get into this week because I've got to jump on a call shortly. Now, this is an interesting one because recently I've been seeing more people talking about ways to get income back into their household and they're not things that I've taught you about adding value, fighting for what you're worth, looking at extra income sources, moving some expenses to be under a tax deductible uh, regime, looking at the ASB tool to find income that you may be owed, looking at unclaimed money. All of the tactics that I try and get you started with to get you on your journey, these are not what people are doing. People are doing some of the nobody nobody things that I would have done and have done previously. Financial hardships have skyrocketed for KiwiSaver. That's not good, you know. People are in the here and now sacrificing their future of compounding. They're interrupting compounding. What do we know? One of the main rules, don't interrupt compounding. What are we doing? Yep, you can take it out hardship. Now, it is what it is. I don't make the rules, but people are desperate and they're looking for ways to be able to access money, right? They're pausing their KiwiSaver. They're paying the minimum on their credit card. All of these things can have massive long-term implications. But money's becoming tight for people. We know this, and we're seeing more ways that people are trying to find a bit of extra cash. And one of the other ones uh, is people trying to cash up their annual leave. Now, all of these can be levers, but we need to think through these as well. So don't monkey see, monkey do. I reckon applications for KiwiSaver hardship will skyrocket even further because it'd be monkey see, monkey do. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. That's a good way. I can get some money. I'm going to do that too. Same with cashing up your annual leave, not paying your KiwiSaver, things like that, right? Or paying the minimum on your credit card rather than actually clearing some of that down. But be very careful before you do these things. You know, we look at them like, oh, quick win, yeah, easy cash. But fuck, is that the right mindset? We've got to grow out of that eventually, right? Because it just takes us further down a path of looking for more of those things. We want to be teaching our mind opportunities, thinking bigger, adding value. Where does money come from? Money exchanges hands when value exceeds price. Come on, how can I go this path? How can I figure this out? How can I stay on it? 
How can I invest? How can I compound? How can I think bigger? Rather than, ooh, quick win, brilliant, let's go do that. That'll solve my problem for two minutes. Make me feel good, though. Look at look what I've achieved. I've got a little bit extra each week, etc. So, you know, be careful and think about these things that bring, uh, when we go to do them. But cashing up your annual leave, this is where employees exchange some of their unused annual leave for cold, hard cash, a nice cash injection. Now, generally, employees can ask to cash up up to one week of their four-week annual leave entitlement per year, but there are some conditions. So employees must submit a written request to the employer and have completed 12 months of employment before doing this. Employers, you should note that you need to receive a written request, otherwise employees could write, uh, sorry, could claim that they never actually requested it, i.e. it has to be in writing, not verbal, and you could still be liable for any holidays and not be returned any cash you've paid out. Bizarre, isn't it? But be very careful. Make sure that's in a written request because we know people with low standard behavior that live below the line, they will take advantage of this. They'll say, hey, can I cash up a week's leave? Oh, okay, yeah, you're a GC. Yep, you say yes to that. You don't get a written request. They come back and say, hey, I didn't ask for that. You, you need to reinstate my leave. What the fuck? Didn't get a written request, did you? Oh, man, I don't even want to talk about that. So just be careful, employers. Make sure it's written. Hopefully, there's not people like that that are schemers that would try and take advantage of something like that. You probably lose your job off the back of that anyway because you show your true character. Anyway, an employee, then you go and get a PG. Oh, poor me, fucking disgraceful behavior from some people. You should hear some of the stories that I'm hearing. The reason I talk like this is because of just some of the shit that I see and hear from people that are dealing with employees that would not listen to this because they wouldn't act like that if they lived above the line and had better standards for themselves and didn't realize that they're actually eroding their own morals through the rest of their life and they'll pay for it in some way, shape or form because they're tipping the scales against themselves. I started writing a money mail about it and I was like, I probably shouldn't go ahead with this one. Anyway, an employer must consider a cash up request with a reasonable time can say no, must inform the employee in writing, doesn't have to give a reason for their decision. Typically, once this is agreed upon though, so if it is agreed to be done, the employer pays the employee in the next pay run. Now, before you go and do something like this and anything that puts money in your back pocket, consider what you will do with the money. Even starting a side hustle, getting your money off the unclaimed money register, for instance, claiming your donations back, your rebates, that portion, Whatever you're going to do to get some extra cash, consider what you'll do with the money. Otherwise, it'll show up in your bank account and then it'll be gone. It'll disappear. It'll find a way because you won't value it and you won't have thought about it. You won't be deliberative, uh, deliberate with it. So it will show you what's going to happen. So in terms of cashing up annual leave, think as well about what required leave you have coming up in the future. You'd hate to do this willy-nilly, get the cash blow it and then find, oh shit, I've got that wedding for a week or I've got that trip that I didn't factor in now, I don't have any leave and might have to take leave without pay and then you can't afford to, right? So think about that too because cashing up leave can seem tempting but many people need their holidays for rest as well, of course, or for completing other forms of income generating activities when you could argue that people should be resting but hey, I'm not policing this. I think we get something like 40 something percent of the week off once you start factoring in leave, annual leave, public holidays, regional holidays, weekends. For a lot of people, I I can't remember the exact percent, but a lot of the year, you're not actually at work. 
But I know that's not the same for everybody because you're working on a farm or you are working the weekends, you're working in factories like me back in the day. You're finding days. Well, you're fucking like me at the moment where I've probably done over 26 weekends in my office this year. Yes, correct. Do I need to? Well, yeah, I actually do because to achieve the things that I want to achieve, I have to, and it is what it is. Anyway, in terms of can't leave, uh, sorry, I lost my place here. Said that it might it might be tempting, but consider your financial needs and whether you do need to cash up your annual leave. While it may provide an exciting lump sum of cash, it also means you won't have that paid off time later, of course. So before you blindly cash out the leave, ask yourself why are you going to do this, i.e. to build your emergency fund. Perhaps your annual leave is your emergency fund. Getting rid of your buy now, pay later, clearing a credit card, investing, upskilling or education, home repairs, you do you. There was a post recently that I did on Instagram that was taken from a Facebook group where someone was basically saying, how do I clear this credit card? Now, no one really suggested, well, how about cashing up some of your annual leave? Actually, I don't know if they were a employee, but you know, maybe that could be do. You, you really want to clear your credit card or that last bit of your student loan or whatever, Oh, don't do that, it's interest-free. I can settle down, let's not go there, let's do that another time. But you may be right, that means a lot to me to be debt-free, to be done of this buy now, pay later, to get out of the trap, to, to become that new person. Same thing with a credit card, same thing with a student loan. That's the importance of paying off debt. You are free of it. One less thing that's costing you something, oh, it's interest-free, Luke. Remember, the student loan's interest-free. Yeah, but you're paying mental rent and you're foregoing 12% of your income each week or fortnight or pay cycle as well, remember? So sometimes it's actually bigger than the money, playing the money game of, oh, I made an extra two cents of interest by not, you know, by being able to keep that money in my bank and then invest it or, or whatever, right? It could be for you that you want the feeling of not having that debt. And maybe you're going to swap a week of annual leave to clear that debt. That's where it's different for each of us. So don't do what I would have done back in the day and learnt about this and thought, shit, this is another way to access quick cash. And then I create a habit of thinking, well, I'm going to do this every year. Meanwhile, blowing the cash. The timing of cashing up leave can be something to think about too, as it may push you into a higher tax bracket and therefore you will get taxed at a higher rate for that pay run. Emphasis on. Because no, it doesn't drag your income to a higher tax bracket and then all of your income forever for the entire year is going to get taxed at that tax bracket. Remember, we move up through the tax brackets. Go back and listen to the progressive tax bracket podcast that I've done so you can understand those. Because of course, this will work itself out over the course of a financial year as we're always ultimately taxed on our total year's income. But it is something many people note when cashing up their annual leave, that it got taxed at a higher rate because perhaps the way it runs through payroll it's thinking okay we're going to be earning this amount every year because you're getting your current pay for that week plus a week's annual leave and it's thinking whoa baby you know you've uh you're making some serious coin here look at this increase so be mindful and then also say you're on um dollars of well let's actually go a better example let's say you get paid forty-seven thousand eight hundred dollars and therefore you're not going into that 30% tax bracket on the income above $48,000, right? Because that's where it kicks in. But you cash up your annual leave, it gets put into your salary for that week, that's income, 
and it's right at the end of March and basically it pushes you up to now you earning $48,500. Well, 500 bucks of that is going to get taxed at 30% because you're now above that tax bracket for that, right? So that's where it kind of catches people. But remember, annualized over a 12-month window, the idea tracking how much tax you've paid versus your income, and that's what you're going to get taxed on. Not, do you have two jobs? Did you get your annual leave cashed up? And all of that sort of stuff, right? But also remember that the payment for annual leave is calculated based on an employee's ordinary weekly pay, OWP. What that means is it's generally the average weekly pay for an employee that you've received over the last 12 months. This includes regular pay, but it can also include other regular payments like overtime, allowances, or bonuses. So sometimes your annual leave is getting paid to you, not at your sort of hourly rate or amount that you normally get. It's sort of calculating it based on your average weekly pay received over the last 12 months with the different things that you make. Again, for everybody, that's going to be different depending on how you're paid and what your remuneration is. So you'd want to speak to uh, your employer, HR department, etc. to figure that out. But I guess like don't even overthink that, but just know that that's sometimes how annual leave can look a bit different. And also, I'm not an HR specialist, I'm not an annual leave specialist as well. This has come from my reading into this space and people will know a lot more about it. So shout out to all those HR people or the people that work at payroll companies and uh, work in payroll around the country. Nice work, what you guys do, I could not do it. So uh, thank you for the contribution you make to the Kiwis receiving their pay week to week, fortnightly, monthly, etc. But anyway, I thought what I'd do is I would ask the KTC community about cashing up their annual leave. So I go on Instagram and I say, yo, have you done this? Tell me what your experience is. And this is some of them. If you cash out and you get working for families, then you can sometimes end up having to pay some of your working for families back as your income increases. Well, baby, this is a good example. Why I did this? Because I wanted to show you how when you listen to generic money type information, as much as it's valuable, you need to think about your specific situation, right? So this person's obviously done it. It's increased their income because they've got their normal payments, plus then they've cashed in their annual leave. That's income at the IRD's end, and they are looking at it going, oh, well, you've actually earned more in this year. Okay, you need to uh, pay us back some of your working for families because we thought your income for working for families purposes was only going to be X, Y, Z, but now it's X, Y, Z with a little bit uh, on top, right? So think about those sorts of things. The next one was don't do it right before you're about to get a pay rise. But that didn't really make sense to me because didn't we learn above that our um, annual leave is based on the average weekly pay an employee has received over the last 12 months? So I would have thought that maybe they mean like wait till you get your pay rise and you're a bit further through that so that you can get the benefit of that increasing average weekly pay because you've had the pay right? Now to look at that even further, there's more examples like that. The next one was, I cashed mine out and did moonlighting on the side. Well, that's sicko, isn't it? You know, so I assume they were then using that money to invest into their education or invest into themselves to generate even more cash. Uh, Do extra work leading up to doing it so that the amount is higher than normal. See? So that now people are, you know, gaming the system. Okay, let's do some extra work. And hey, this is just, it is what it is. Humans will always push systems to their boundaries. So they've figured out that it's based on the average weekly pay so they are trying to increase their average weekly pay by doing extra work so that their average weekly pay increases so that when they go to take 
and cash up that annual leave. It's going to be calculated based off of that. Another person says, don't do it. Another person says, did it to cover an insurance premium? Nice one. Okay. So they're probably stuck with an insurance premium. This their solution. So they knew why they were going to do it at that point there. Always before maternity leave, otherwise not worth it once you return. Now, I assume that's because your income drops massively because you then end up on paid parental leave, which will be a lot less than your normal salary. So then when you go and cash up annual leave later on, it's working out your average uh, weekly wage based on the past 12 months, and that would have come down because your income's dropped massively, right? So, you know, people are thinking about these sorts of things. Now, someone says, knowing that you get taxed at a higher rate is very important because that may take their income into a higher tax bracket. We talked about that before. Another person, life's too short. Use the annual leave for holidays and time with your family. The next person, keep it if you know you're leaving. It gives you longer to plan your next move. So again, people are thinking about things like, okay, maybe I want to build up my annual leave so that if I was to leave, I know that I've got a stack of money there that I can lean on if I don't get a job as fast. So they're using it as a safety blanket before they make their next move. Next person, save it as a nest egg, same sort of thing, building up that annual leave to create some form of nest egg. Now, we'll talk about that in the did you know. Next person, work overtime leading into it to increase the amount of it. Again, we've talked about that. Next person says, I use it to do renos, but also earn leave faster than I can use it. So they're taking it and they're reinvesting it back into a form of service so or adding value to their property to then earn more from their annual leave. Make sense? Again, be very deliberate with what you're going to do with it. As you can see, there is a range of experience with this from don't do it to, you know, basically use your holidays to take rest and things like that to here's the ways to maximize it. So as always, you need to be mindful of your specific situation past and future. What do I always say to you? Map your actions back to your goals. Now, say you find your work really hard and you really like your annual leave to rest. Would you think about cashing it up and basically, you know, trying to not have one less week? No, you'd probably want the rest right. You'd probably want a week off a quarter to reset to be thinking, fuck, okay, how am I going to get the next quarter? Because you're maybe then just thinking about what your next move is. So leave is different for each of us. And Lastly, I guess, no, I'm not writing you a template to ask your employer to cash up a week's annual leave, but I know who will, and that's ChatGPT, because I went on there and I asked, and I thought, let's just see what it comes back with, and it will. It'll write you something, of course. Have a good weekend. You are one of over 8,800 recipients, plus about 4,500 on LinkedIn. We're getting closer to the 10,000 emails. The only way that grows is if you send this stuff around, so hopefully people sign up. The KTC podcast had over 52,000 downloads in November, which was a jump on about 48,000 from October. Feel free to put these lessons in front of other people, especially over the summer period. People start to think about their finances and becoming somebody new in a new year, so perhaps this content could help them do that. Did you know? Businesses often report their leave liabilities at financial year-end and many actively manage these levels to reduce the cash flow risk of people leaving at once or taking leave at the same time. What that means is that as a business, you don't want a massive leave liability for all of your staff because if they all just left at once, you've got to pay all of that out, right? Oh, how do you do that? Well, it takes cash. If you don't have the cash, where's the cash going to come from? Don't know. You don't care as an employee. You're just like, yo, pay up, sucker. And then the business owner has to do that. So same thing for small businesses through to large businesses. 
people are tracking this stuff and especially at the top end of town with the bigger businesses that really are required to and when they're audited they'll be challenged on hey you know how are you managing your leave to bring this balance down because it does create a big liability for the business i wanted to share something with you before we go and someone replied and they said that's a bloody good reminder before i go on maternity leave with 6 weeks owing and plans to go back and no plans oh plans to go back to work oh plans to go back part time so they're going to take some of their annual leave, have it cashed up based on their average weekly pay over the last 12 months before they drop their income with maternity leave and before they end up part-time. And then 12 months' time, they might go cash it up and realize, oh, shit, it's a lot less than what it could have been had I done it now. So smart. And they say, legend, love your work. Your content has been massively life-changing for us. We have managed to go from ticked-up cars and credit cards to no debt and 50k extra saved increased investments since we actually started using your budgeting spreadsheet. I have listened to the pods for ages and cleared the debt, but the budget budget spreadsheet was really a game changer for us. So many people miss this. So many people consume the content, don't go and do the first exercise, which is basically what's coming in, what's going out. Start there, start to know your money, and then shit really changes. And they say having a clear financial position and tracking it has been so bloody helpful. It means I can take the full 12 months off work on maternity leave and not be stressed about the bills. We actually know what our spending is and can plan. That's a fucking changer right there. Their life has been changed because they started to pay attention to their money. And all I did was give them a shitty spreadsheet that basically said, here we go, here's what we need to track taught them some principles around why they do that, and then they go off, they do their journey, they create the habits, they listen to the content to reinforce the reasons for doing them, especially when we start to come off the wagon, and then boom, now we have someone who's completely changed their life from being in debt with cars and credit cards to now stress-free, take time out of work to raise a child in maternity leave, fucking thank you, my work here is done, never seeing you again, I am going to ride off into the sunset. Just kidding, I'll be back next week recording another 42 episodes, but it's really cool for me to see that sort of stuff, and it means a lot uh, when people send that through, and it seems so simple, but it really is, but it just takes us starting, and I had to do the same thing, and I had to go from 15 grand credit card all the way to where I am now, and just keep going on that path, building those habits, but it starts with really taking your money more seriously. If you want that spreadsheet, then it's in the second week of the blog, the Keep the Change blog. I put it on social media all the time. It is ugly. People, Some guy emailed me the other day, your spreadsheet sucks, look at my one. I'm like, fucking awesome to meet you, mate. Cheers for that. I'm like, have you got testimonials like this? But anyway, might flip this one to him. Um, so start with what works for you and just keep going because what you're really looking for is the person you become through that journey and the outcomes and how powerful that makes you feel. You're all beautiful people, as Chris Brown tells us. Make sure you remember that. Be good out there, and I'll see you on the next episode of Keep the Change Money Mail. Leave a five-star review before you go, because before the end of the year, I'd love to get us to 2,000. We're at 1,900 on Spotify. Help me out, man. 